What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining us here on ESPN Esports. We are on YouTube, Twitter, the ESPN app, not on Twitch this week. We are hosting the Brawl 10K. Lawler putting on an excellent Rocket League tournament. That's happening all week on our Twitch account. So for this week only, all of our live content on the other platforms. But as we do every single Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, it is the Rift Rewind, our ESPN League of Legends program. Emily, Tyler, Jacob with you. Now, you may notice a little bit of a format change this week. We decided to shake things up, Emily. We thought, you know what? Let's take a look at the show we normally do. And we're just going to take a bomb, maybe one of those uh, wolf bombs that I have back in my setup there, and we're just going to drop it right in the middle of a rundown. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. (laughs) So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to try some new things. We're going to try some new segments, and we're going to do some new thoughts. We're going to have a lot of fun along the way. I am following on YouTube. If you are happen to watch us on YouTube, if you are watching us on YouTube right now, feel free to use that as our central chat. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts, it is up here. So with that in mind... Let's start with something new. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a little game called Love and Hate. What that is, is that we all, around the horn here, picked one thing we loved and one thing we hated from League of Legends competitive last week. Four major leagues, tons of games, some surprises, some stuff we looked at and just shook our heads, and we're going to talk about it here. Jacob Wolf, I'm going to start with you all the way in the great state of Texas. We're going to go around our loves first. What did you love? Pick one singular thing you loved from League of Legends this past week. Team Vitality roster. It has to be, right? Like, they... I thought they would be fine last last split, but coronavirus and visa issues thought otherwise and slapped huh. them right across the face in the spring. And now they don't have it anymore. They've done a little bit of roster shakeup, and damn, they look good. This is a team that can make playoffs. I'm going to... That's Maybe that's a hot take after just one week, but, like... I loved it. I loved it. I love seeing them be competitive in the LEC. I think that they, like I said, they got like an unfair hand uh, because of what happened to them because of COVID and visa issues in the spring. And uh, yeah, I, I like the I like the additions. Melka is finally be able to play. Labroff is the new support. Finally, this team is is really kicking. It only took three changes to get there, but uh, we're we're seeing seeing good stuff out of Team Vitality. Uh, I was impressed in our first in their first week of competition. What did you think, Emily? What did you think of Melitza? Uh, he had a pretty strong weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, Melitza was great. I think Lavrov is definitely my not like I guess player to watch uh, on this team. I know a lot of people who've been following Europe have kind of been wanting him to make his debut, and I thought he had a really great one. Um, I mean, I, you know me, I'm a sucker for teams that have like a lot of young talent on them and just kind of go out and figure themselves out on the rift as they play. Uh, I can see Vitality doing that. They have kind of the veteran leadership component in Kabushard and top lane. So it's a really good setup as well to succeed. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we kind of see them slide into maybe that like Mad Lions position that uh, we saw from Mad Lions last split. Yeah, I, I actually I would compare them similarly to team to Misfits. Misfits is another team that has like similar roster construction. They have some young players. They have some veterans in Kabe and Fabivin, um around them. So like, yeah, I'm excited to see both more Misfits and Vitality as the split continues because I think both have 
upsides that we don't quite understand because we don't have enough data on these these players playing together, which is exciting. It's good to see that. We're going to talk about Vitality a little bit later on in the show as well. Let's keep the love train going. Emily, what was your love from this week in League of Legends? So I like the look that we saw from EG. Uh, when I heard from them that they were considering uh, from from both Zazel and Artemis, and I talked to them before the split started, they were considering and had been training with a seven-man lineup. Obviously, we saw the same starting five that we had previously seen in spring. Um and they looked great. Like, they looked really confident. Um, they were picking compositions that they knew that they could execute really well. And, uh, I mean, I, I they have a tough week ahead of them um, because I believe they have uh, they have C9. And then I forget who their other uh, opponent is coming up. But, like, they, they do have a tough week in week two. But I think EG got off to a really strong start. Uh, albeit like one of one of the games was a very one-sided stomp against CLG that was just like entertaining to watch from a just stomp uh, perfect game perspective. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great meta for EG and they've, I feel like they've already figured out a lot of the kinks last split. So I really just want to see this team continue to improve on like the minutia that can turn them into a truly great team and despite all the seven-man roster stuff, I hope they stick with this lineup because I, I think it's a strong lineup. They play uh, Cloud9 on Saturday and Team Liquid on yes, Sunday. Hey, uh, Tyler, if they win both those games, especially against Cloud9, are you going to be ready to say that uh, there's a new contender in the LCS? They're going to win both of those games, Arden. I think that goes into my love of the week, but we can get into that in a few seconds. I do enjoy, I do like the... The, the confidence that EG has been playing with early on. I think the biggest thing for me has been Kumo. Kumo looks mightily improved from last split. And I think it's a, you know, it's not a surprise when, you know, teams actually, I know they have the seven man roster, so Huni's looming behind Kumu's back, but when you actually give these rookies time to actually play in the LCS and don't just yank them after a few poor performances, sometimes they'll actually improve and actually become really good players. So maybe some other teams could, you know, figure out maybe investing in young talent and actually, you know, playing them even through their struggles sometimes is the right answer instead of just importing 12,000 players. But, you know, it's NA, so. It's, that's a lot to ask for. <laughs> I think that to the Hooney point, too, I know people on the team told me that they've been working really closely together. Um, so that's another thing, too. Like, presumably, Hooney is actually helping kind of train Kumo in some of these things. So that could also be another reason behind his improvement. We're going to talk about uh, Hooney and, and basically the packages that Evil Geniuses have, the seven-man roster. And by the way, Emily wrote an article all about this. Uh, that's available at ESPN.com slash esports. Uh, I spoke to Artemis this week for Coach's Corner, uh, and, and both of them, the, the the sentiments are aligned there, right? Like, in the sense that there's the Huni Deftly package, there's the Kumo... Bang. Uh, blanking a bang, bang package, sorry, bang, bang package, yeah, yeah sorry, bang, bang. package, bang. and uh, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. uh, yeah, Two-time uh, world the Kumo champion. bang, yeah, that guy, yeah, you know, yeah the that guy, guy. that's been, uh, the, who's done very well in the spring sport, yeah. Hey, at least I remembered Huni. Okay, anyway. Uh, so those are the two packages there. And obviously, uh, Artemis was saying that it's going to be based on performance. And, well, EG had a great week one. EG Academy did not. They went 0-2. So 
if you're based on if you're basing it on performance, then well, I guess the uh, Kumo Bang train will roll on at least for the foreseeable future. But I just think I mean we're gonna talk about this later. I know, but like just the fact uh, Jacob, just the fact that Huni is he went from the highest paid guy in the league to second highest paid guy in the league. The, pardon the me, highest, highest paid guy in the league is Impact top laner for Team Liquid, but second highest I paid guy in the league. Yes. Still with the memed $2.3 million salary across two years. From that to battling possibly may not even get a look in the main, uh, in a main LCS team this entire split. Yeah. It's just, it's just I a mean, crazy turn of events. You have to be a little humbled by that if you're Hooney, right? Like, dude, dude made out with like $400,000, $500,000 in a six month window from January to, or five month window from January to May. Or whatever, November to May, I guess technically, so six months, uh, in a November of getting a May. Um, so, but you gotta be a little humbled by the fact that you're playing in Academy right now. I don't, it, like, Huni gets a lot of flack for being a little bit of a tilter, um, which I'm sure there's a, an aspect of that, but I, I don't think that, like, he's someone that would be upset by having to play Academy in the, uh, the entire split if that, if that's what it boils down to. So. So speaking of, speaking of playing Academy and having a great showing in the LCS, at least, so far, uh, Tyler, that brings us to your love. Oh, Arda. Oh, sweet Arda. Last week I sat here and I regaled you of the future of Team Tactical and their ultra <laughs> brilliance on the train ride to Worlds, baby. And two games in, the Tactical train is chugging. We're going along beautifully. They smashed TS and they embarrassed Doublelift. They crushed Golden Guardians, not really crushed them. It was actually a pretty good game, all things considered for NA. It was actually a pretty decent game. They beat Golden Guardians. They crushed TSM. Tactical, chugga-chugging his way all the way to China, baby. It's so good to be on this train. It feels so relieving that we're just one week in, and I can already guarantee that Tactical's going to be top three in all pro this split. I'm so ready. I'm no. so on the hype train. Stop. It's beautiful. Stop doing this to yourself. If right he, now, oh, he it's is, so good. Like, it's so that's, good. That's actually, like, no offense to Tactical, but that's actually, like, massive props to Core, too, I think. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Well, that's one of the reasons why I'm on the, the Tactical train. That's the huge thing, is Core yeah. is... It's kind of like crisp when everyone was like, LWX is great, and I'm like, but crisp. He's right there. Yeah. Uh, but so, uh, the, uh, that was in what, my that was in my whole spiel last week of yeah. why do I believe yeah. in core? Why do I believe in tactical so much? Because core core could have asked for anyone. If core told Steve, I really want X. If he was like, I want Viper. Go get go to Korea and grab Viper for a million dollars. You think Steve wouldn't do that? Steve probably would do that for core. But core was like. I like this tactical kid. He has potential. I see a diamond in the rough. And Core is polishing that diamond. And I'm on my train to China. The tactical train of Team Liquid. And the horizon is beautiful, Arda. Only thing ahead is sunshine and beauty. There's a few clouds in the way that they're going to have to get through. You know, know, those, those clouds are pretty scary. But everything else is so, so clean as they're just rolling over teams like TSM and Golden Guardians. I love tactical. I love Team Liquid this split. It's beautiful. 
the final destination is a Summoner Cup station for you, huh? Oh, no, 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 not Summoner. Group stages. Group stage stages. Oh, sorry, sorry. Group stages. Summoner Cup is taking it too far. Yeah, we're going to Group Stage Plaza, and then we're going right off the rails. Group Stage Plaza. We're on the way to Group Stage Plaza, baby. And then there's going to be massive delays after that, and the train won't get out. No, it's going right off the rails. Tyler, Tyler's a certain amount of delusional. He's not delusional enough to think that Team Liquid can make it no, to the, the no, world's final. No, no, we're going to Group Stage Plaza. <laughs> group Stage Plaza is where we're going, and it's a really clear ride from here. So get ready, Group Stage Plaza. After that, we're done. But you know, Group Stage Plaza is a good, good first step for Tactical, the genius of NA. Well, hey, if you ask Double Lift like I did, he firmly believes that an NA team can and should make Worlds at some point, yeah. and he wants it to be TSM. But yeah. that's a conversation for uh, several minutes from now, later on in the show. My love, uh, and look, okay, I owe you all an apology, okay? I am man enough to admit when I'm wrong, okay? It's very rare that this happens. Let's just acknowledge that. I'm usually yeah. right, okay? Yeah. I think we can all agree on this show, Jacob in particular. All right, all right last pick, Pius. Piosic. Yeah, that, Piosic. Yeah, that was pretty off. I think you had Golden Guardians going far in last season's bracket, too. That was pretty bad. 99.6% of the time, and yes, I did the math, I am 100% correct. But last week on the show, I did say that uh, if the standings were to stay the same in the LEC, that we would be in for a very boring split and that it would be not fun to cover the LEC and I would quickly tire of seeing much of the same in the LEC. And after watching week one of the LEC, uh, I'm definitely wrong. I will own it. I had a lot of fun watching the LEC. I watched every game and it was a hell of a lot of fun. In particular, because a lot of teams that you would normally think would sweep the weekend in a super week lost a couple games or two or more and some teams that you guys predicted you folks predicted would do well like rogue did really well so we are doing very well in the lec so that's what i loved i loved the fact that i can enjoy this excellent league and i will simply leave my predictions with the lec behind and make yeah. new ones you're converted you've been converted as the person who yelled at you the most last week, yes. I accept your apology. Thank you, thank you. I needed your acceptance the most, actually, because I was, like, really, like, ah. Oh. But That was a tilter, honestly. Although, I'll say, I think, even regardless of results, LEC is always super fun to watch. But um, for a lot of reasons, the rookies that we were just talking about with, yep. you mm-hmm. know, Jacob's love. Um, but I think... Uh, I think this was a kind of a banger of a super week that uh, there's some pretty interesting things happened. Now I I will say that there are some familiar things like Schalke being at the bottom of the standings. That feels a little familiar. Uh, Fnatic being near the top of the standings. That also feels familiar, but I just love how everything else is in complete disarray. Jacob. Well, they're not in our, they are not in our rundown in another part of the show. So I just want to bring them up here while we're on the note of LEC standings. How about origin? Woof. Well, Woof! Yeah, they're the biggest disappointment. We we already made these predictions, Jacob. They're, they're, I didn't. So I, okay, they are the biggest disappointment. I agree. I think all of us thought, but what a weird week, right? Because they beat G two, 
Then they got clobbered by SK and Misfits. So mm. I'm confused. Is G2 bad? I don't think they're, so. But is G2 okay. bad? Or is Origin just like hella inconsistent? Where where do we kind of land on that? My my thought is they're pretty inconsistent. I think Origin is who we thought they were. I think G2 will get into G2 later. It's G2. I have zero doubts that they will, by the end of the season, be in the finals, most likely winning. If I'm Origin right now... I think it's, we have to look at the larger picture, right? Because, like, I know you could speak of this more in depth, Jacob, but, like, Astralis right now, not in the best place. The, the the umbrella company of Origin, they spent a lot of money. There's been some drama. You know, maybe Origin can bring Device in. He could play some games. Maybe that could boost morale for Origin. But right now, it, it, it's what I thought. Like, they are a very, very high ceiling, not high ceiling, they have high ceiling players. Like, Alfari, I still think, is one of the best players in the league. I think we can all agree, Alfari's a monster. He's one of the best top players I've seen in the world currently, and I would go on a limb saying he's top top 10 easily, top 5 maybe, but an upset they spent a lot of money on, he's proven himself, but Nuke Duck, you know, mm, it's it's hard. Like I think there's this thing about Nuke Duck where everyone thinks of him up here when he's really, you know, more of a 7 or a 6 most of the time, so... Origin is not the most fun team to watch, but I think they'll probably even out to make playoffs and then probably have a disappointing third or a fourth or fifth finish, and then they'll probably swap out a lot of players and we'll continue on. Yeah, don't let, I, I don't let just, Yamato hear you say that because Yamato spent a lot of time last split uh, singing the praises of Nuke Duck. So, so I do just want to say, before we're too harsh on G2, I know they're talking about them later on the show, our condolences to Perks. Um, somebody just reminded me, I... I Missed the tweet uh, that he his father yeah. passed away from yeah. cancer. I was gonna week. I was gonna bring so. that up in the G two section later. Yeah, yeah, and and I was I was told that they they didn't. I was just told by somebody LEC related that that they haven't gotten a lot of pa- practice the last couple of weeks because uh, because both of that and also some a few other things, but sort of that pertinent most among them that their mid laner has been out of commission because of his, his dad's been sick. So condolences to Perks and and uh, his loved ones. And completely understandable that your mind would be elsewhere if you're dealing with something like that, right? So, absolutely, absolutely. That notwithstanding, still the rest of the LEC uh, is definitely in flux. And that uncertainty often creates chaos, which is a lot of fun to watch. So, results that didn't involve G2 uh, also contributed to a very, very interesting week in the LEC. So, those are what we, that's what we loved this past week in League of Legends competitive. Let's talk about what we hated. What sucked? What was the worst? What was just plain awful? What was a dumpster fire? What was pure trash? What was going to group stage plaza and then just like completely kicking the train down and never leaving that station ever? I'm so excited, Art. I'm so excited for, <laughs> for Worlds. I'm so excited. <laughs> Jacob, what was your, what, what did you hate? Mortals, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, that's just my, my thought, right? Like, I said this last week, and and I said this, I think, privately to Arda, too, when we were talking relative to Xmithy. What are you doing? Like, I, they're investing in talent like Potluck, who make no sense to me whatsoever. We've seen the guy get his chance. He's not like this. It's not like he's like Blabber. Like, he's going to be the next Blabber. You give him his shot, and he makes good. We understand what the quality of this player is, and it's not very good. Like... I said this previously. I like Zabatine and Keaton a lot as individuals. I think they're very nice guys. 
I've been very disappointed by what I've seen from a performance perspective of the players that they are putting on the Rift, both in Optic and Immortals, for the past year and a half. And I don't get it. Like, I did, I was very critical, if you remember, of the SOAS pickup and the ICA pickup. Still don't understand both of those. Nothing against either of those guys either, because I personally know both of them, and they're good dudes. But, like, why? Why are you using your import slots on those two two people in the first place? And then, like, the rest of this roster is just a dumpster fire. Like, I don't... I don't get it. There, There's zero... Like, when I look at Immortals, I go, like, there's zero upside here. And, like, I'm not going to shame McSmithy. Dude grabbed the bag. He took it over TSM. He took it over elsewhere. But, like, if I was him, I'd want to be traded to TSM right now. Right? Like, that seem, that would make some sense to me because there's nowhere to go on this Immortals roster. Like, this team's terrible. And everyone consistent in the league seems to think they're pretty terrible. At least with, like, Golden Guardians and CLG, I can make some, like, arguments that there's some upside in some of those players that they're taking risk on. Like, I think people like Wiggly can grow further. I think having DeMonte, he can grow further too, right? Like, I don't see any of that in Immortals. We know what every single player on this team is. We've seen them play for years at the highest level of League of Legends, and it's not impressive. Right, like, or it hasn't been in a while. In the case of like Soas, right? Give him some credit; he was really successful and a very good player once upon a time. But like, last year with Misfits is awful. This spring was not very good either. So I don't know. Like, I I I hate this Immortals roster in terms of I don't hate the people on it, but I I don't like the way that it's put together because I think there's literally no high upside to it. This is not a team that makes playoffs. This is the seventh, tenth place team, and it just like blow it up. Like once COVID nineteen's over and you're able to go recruit some more players, like blow the blow this roster uh, to hell, please. I, hey, I'm over it. Hey Emily, uh, someone in our YouTube chat said that they thought that Potluck was actually the best player on Immortals. How did he do from a jungle perspective this weekend? I mean, he was fine. I think the the issue is like if you're looking at the roster construction, it's not individual players but like for example i'll actually defend the soas pickup a little bit more because i think he's really smart about the game and i think he's a good player to have if you're looking at uh and i talked to them about their roster building at the beginning of the year where you're talking you're looking at the smithy soas duo right trying to like be the two veteran voices on the team to to organize it and i think um i think potluck was fine like i don't I don't feel like you can point to their performances this past week and be like, potluck was the problem um, <laughs> at all, actually. But I think that from a roster construction standpoint, this roster no longer makes sense without Smithy in the lineup, only because the whole idea behind the construction, from what I understood, was you have Soaz and you have Smithy, and they're two like really strong veteran talents with a really good understanding of how to play the game. Like, just getting into interviews with these guys, half the time I just like want to pick their brain about how to play League of Legends, honestly, because they're just both really smart about it. Um, and then you're you're kind of like raising up the rest of the roster with that, right? Uh, and it doesn't make sense anymore if you take Smithy out, regardless of what you thought of like his quote unquote individual jungle performance. Um, I actually think this could be, uh, as a related aside, uh, I think this could be a pretty good meta for Smithy. So um, you know that that is the that is the problem I have with the Immortals lineup, is if you're basing it on the initial ideas behind the construction, that no longer works if you're swapping Smithy out. 
Yeah, I just want to be clear. I'm not blaming this week uh, or any of their performance specifically on Pollock. I was just saying him like every player on this team. This is a, a wide statement. We understand what they are. And I, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and I, and I, I, I asked because, because Emily knows the jungle position better than anyone. Yeah, yeah. And I just saw that in the chat. I, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying, like, I, I understand the upside of every single player on this team because I've watched enough of them over their career, and I don't think that there's superior room for growth at this point, unless somebody pulls a rabbit out of a hat. So, like, I, they are what they are, and I'm disappointed that they are what they are because it doesn't seem like they're, like, striving for excellence here. The mortals can I understand, you know, their point, right? They want to get Soas Nick Smith. You want to get two really smart players on the same team. But when you go for that strategy, you want to have an ace player. You want to have a star. You need a player that can carry. You need an upset. You need, you know, someone in the AD carry position that can take over games. You need a double lift. You need a star AD carry or a star mid laner like, like Jensen or Power of Evil. You need, you know, a, so if you're going to have a, a top jungle duo that's very experienced and very smart and they play a slower style of game, you need that carry. Who the hell is the carry on Immortals? Who is that oomph to put Immortals over the top? Ika, Apollo, uh, Austin, uh, like who's on? All, like, all tech, no. All tech, all tech. Like it, there's no oomph. Like it's it's a it's like you're setting up the board for nothing, right? Like like it, this is it's ridiculous to have this kind of setup and be like, okay, you're setting in the table up. Who's going to slam dunk the ball? Who's going to be the ace? Who's going to be the player that gets all the kills? They don't have that player. So the entire structure, uh, the entire structuring of the roster was fundamentally wrong when you don't have that big name player, that ace player you can rely on to carry games. When you have, it doesn't matter how many great supportive players or how many great intelligent players you have on the roster, if you don't have that carry player to put it over the top. Like Bangi without Faker, if it was just Bangi by himself, you know, he would have had a pretty mediocre career. It was having Bangi with the greatness of Faker and Piglet and Bang that, you know, made Bangi such an amazing player. And the same thing with Smithy. Smithy excels when he has players that can carry and he can support getting to that level. He has no one on this team that were, who can actually pull through more times than not. A, Ika has had some games. He's had some games where he's carried. He's been that ace player. And, you know, Alltech as well. And But it's not consistent enough. And if you want to be a top team, even in North America, where the, you know, the competition isn't that great, you know, except for maybe a team or two, you need to have that player. And Immortals does not have an ace. There's not a single player on this roster you could say, that's an ace player. There's a okay. lot of... There's a lot of C and B players on on uh, Immortals. No S tier. Alternatively, you could just not do that and bring up actual NA talent because yeah. this is a this is ideally a roster construction that we've seen work really well in Europe, right? Where you have yeah, sure you're gonna have bumps in the road, you're gonna have some really bad games too. Like there there are gonna be some really bad performances, but ideally, uh, there's a really strong case across multiple esports right now, to be quite honest, of having like a few veteran players, like and so as Nick Smith are honestly some of the smartest veterans I can think of to have on mm-hmm. a team. Um, and then new talent. Like you, this is another opportunity where we can kind of like prod NA and be like, hey, you know, this this is this is perfect. Like instead of just trying to go for like, oh, we wanna squeak into playoffs, like I, I yes, I know that the summer split matters, et cetera. But like, still, this is a great opportunity to take a chance on maybe some younger talent that hasn't had the same opportunities that an Apollo or Apollo or even Ika, who who played over in Europe's regional leagues and also in the LEC like forever ago and when it was EULCS, have had. 
this is why you pick up a North American, like a young North American support. The solution to Hakubo underperforming is not gate. I'm sorry, right? Like, it's just not. And we see, like, to your point about LEC, what team has done this well, actually? Misfits this season. Literally, like, Dinnick had his moments where he kind of looked lost. Guess what? They go and get DOS, someone else who's younger. It's the same thing with Jack Troll and with uh, Jack Troll and LeBrov on Fidelity. Like, it's just go go get somebody younger, right? Like, go invest. Like, if we are in a franchise, this is what blows my mind about North American League of Legends. We are in a franchise system, right? Unless you are, and look, most of the teams in the LCS are going to be bottom feeders. There will be, like, probably four or five teams, four teams, five teams, that will be at the top of the league. Everyone else, I think, can take a game off of each other any point in time, right? Those top teams are probably going to be Cloud9, Liquid, Evil Geniuses, FlyQuest, and TSM. Right? Maybe there's one or two more I'm missing. But the other five, like, people can just take games off of each other. You're not, you're probably not going to be last three splits in a row, which is how you get kicked out. If you're, if you are the last place team for 18 months, you are eligible to lose your license to be in the LCS. That's pretty unlikely that one team is going to do that. Unless you're literally throwing because you don't have money. You're probably not in the LCS at that point anyway if you don't have the money. You're probably going to sell your team. So why don't, if you're going to be middle of the pack and COVID's going to, you know, COVID-19 is going to restrict you from going and getting big import from South Korea or Europe, why don't you just invest in young talent, right? Like, if you're throwing in the towel anyway, you may as well do it on some, take some flyers. But that's not what's happening at all. In fact, we get gate, man, potluck, right? Like, and all tech, right? Like, all, we understand who these, these players are. At least with the LEC, and this is what makes NA a meme because they like never they so, rarely invest in young talent. It's what Cloud Nine does really well, and it's the only reason they're taken like part of the reason they're taken so seriously. But all the other teams like kind of just like recycle talent. Go invest in someone new. Take a chance. Is that an indictment on Immortals? Like, are they not? I mean, they're still relatively new, I guess, in terms of the LCS and their return. They bit, but they bit, like, there's a the, lot of people there, yes. But but what I'm saying is, like, is this an indictment on them as a team in terms of investing in scouting? Are they not doing a good enough job? Or is it just that they're looking at names with some sort of value or familiarity, maybe is the right word, and they just want to put them on a roster right now? I mean, I don't think they're doing I don't think they're doing anything that other any teams aren't also doing, so it's kinda like it I don't think it's a specific indictment on them. I think a lot of North American teams do this. And I haven't really seen, I've seen very few teams be willing to take chances on actually putting in young talent and just kind of letting them, because like, again, the the issue is you will have some bad games, right? Like you will actually just have some really rough showings. It's going to happen. Um, and you have to let them happen so that people can improve and learn. And that's not something that a lot of North American teams I've seen are willing to do. I mean, the other, the other side of the argument, not to get too far into any talent, because I know we've spoken about this a lot. Um, is that, you know, an NA player coming in is going to need more instruction than an EU player coming in or a South Korean player coming in or a Chinese player coming in just based on the amateur scene and solo queue talent level and that kind of thing. But, um, I mean, if you're willing to put in the effort, and I don't see at this point why North American teams haven't just tried uh, to to put in that effort despite the fact that it's going to be more effort, um, you you can, like, just, just let it happen. Like, yes, mm-hmm. you're going to have some bad games, but... You know the the upside to it is actually pretty significant if you can if you can come out that other side. 
I mean, honestly, Not, at this quickly, point, like, point on this, Jacob. I was going to say, all they'd have to do to, to placate me and make me happy would be like Golden Guardians. That's it. Golden Guardians has the they have some of the talent that we understand very well in in who he who he changed positions. So I give him a little bit of a break there, and the fact that he's like still trying to like level up as a support, right? But like they have Demonte and Hanser, who we know very well, right? And in, in the LCS, we've seen them play for many many years, and but they do have closer, and they have FBI, right? Who are like younger talent who they've given this opportunity to who have played in the TCL and in the LCS respectively, although FBI's stint was really short. But at least that team is giving the opportunity to younger players to build themselves up. That's all I want. That's all I want from Immortals. doesn't have to be the whole team. You don't have to bring in five rookies. All you got to do is invest in a few. Stop recycling people that we already know a lot about. Emily, what would you hate this week in League of Legends? Just stop. Just stop doing it. Uh... So a lot of people memed uh, Spika's Kane on TSM. And what they may not know is that Kanavi, who is widely regarded as one of the best junglers in the world right now, also played Kane jungle to a similar amount of success in the LPL. Um, it was both times it was in response to like a first rotation trundle. Uh, both times it was on blue side and last rotation. I understand why people are picking it because of the buffs a few patches ago and also the fact that the current jungle meta right now, uh, you can have some of these, like, farm-heavy junglers, uh, you know, like, that we've seen Nidalee come out, we've seen Kindred come out, um, we've seen, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, more more power farming junglers alongside, like, the Trundle, and, of course, you're never going to get the LPL to give up Lee Sin, um, we've even seen Set Jungle over in Europe, which I think has been really interesting to watch. But stop playing Kane. Like, just stop. The upside is not there. Uh, stop it, please. If if Kanavi, and like, true, he was going up against Top Esports, who's the best team in the world right now. But if Kanavi can't do it, you probably can't either. Don't take that coin flip. Don't do it. Anyone want to add? A- anyone in favor uh, of Kane Jungle? Is anyone in favor of it? I'm not. I, Unless, I, I, Kenobi, or, I mean, even that I mean, didn't work out. So he, he didn't I, look. It didn't look great. Yeah. Parsa kind okay. of stomped him. I, th- I think Kane is. Uh, you know, there are, there are similar champions that achieve what you're trying to get with Kane. Yes. Uh, that provide more than Kane and also require less team coordination than Kane. Right, like as someone who plays that position and has done so for six years or seven years since I switched to jungle, like and has played a lot of that specific champion, it's actually really hard when you're not in a stack of five, which we're talking about programs here, but it's it's really hard unless you're like very, very coordinated. There are better carry junglers, better A D carry junglers than Kane that achieve the same thing and require far less uh, coordination around that one champion. So that that's my thought. There are better champions that achieve the same thing. Stop playing Kane. I agree with Emily. Please. Please. Tyler, what do you hate about League of Legends competitive right now? Let's go back to the old LEC, or LECS. Not LEC. LEC's <laughs> production is amazing. Great job, LEC. Your, your production is amazing. Um, coming a little bit at LCS's production, and most notably, I don't want to go... Their weekend events are fine. They're fine. They need a redux. They need a reset. They need 
you know, a, a production overhaul, some new fresh air into it, but the weekend events are fine. I kind of want to go after the abomination that is Friday Night League slash Monday Night League, where they have no clue what they're doing with it. They have no kind of idea what kind of idea they want with this Friday Night League, Monday Night League situation. It's last week might have been one of the worst. Like it was actually cringe-inducing. I know people say cringe-inducing a lot on the internet, but it was actually cringe-inducing. And I love the talent on LCS. I, I think people like, like Tigris and Prawley and Mark Z are actually really talented and really funny people. But it was bad. It was really, really bad. And I, you know, they're trying to go for that LEC feel, right? They're like, you know, it's Friday night. We're having fun out here. Let's do some raps, let's do some jokes, let's have Sushi Dragon doing some, you know, psychedelic, you know, uh, uh, crazy 3D, 4D Draven dances with bad EDM music in the background, and it just didn't work. It was really bad, and I understand, and this is someone who loved the Sushi Dragon Y2K after party from the LCS, uh, LCS Finals, where I was in Slack chat for ESPN, I'm like, oh man, this is amazing. This is really, really funny. One of the greatest performances of all time because, A, it was unexpected, it was new, and, B, you had Y2K, who people, I've interviewed him before, he's a really good guy, he loves League of Legends, loves video games. He's an actual really big producer. He's a huge producer. He's one of the biggest producers right now in the world. Uh, he knows music. He, they were playing licenses track, like Mr. Brightside and other really good tracks where when you have the psychedelics going on and the craziness, but you actually have good music also in line with it, it's a fun time. Obviously, yeah. with the DMCA stuff, you're not going to get through that. So you have to play bad EDM music. Yeah. Yeah. So Friday Night League right now feels like they want to be wacky and fun, but still kind of buttoned up, and it's really, really bad. And they either have to, they really, A, they need to overhaul most of the production and try again and, you know, do a rebranding and try to find their own voice. But right now it just feels like they, they're trying to be bond up, they're trying to be sports center, but they're also trying to be wacky, the Eric Andre show at the same time. And when you combine the two and you try to put it all together, it's just trash and it's bad. Put it down. No more rapping, please. No more rapping. I don't need more, I don't need rapping on the LCS. Uh, on the LCS broadcast, so love, love, the, love the you know, love the people that work there. Mark Z, the Tigers, great people, good personalities, but the the they have no voice right now, and the Friday Night League experiment is not going so well. Yeah, so my issue with it, to Tyler's point, is how schizophrenic the broadcast seems. <laughs> like you have like, and and just based on like the personalities that you have. There's actually a potential to have a really chill and like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how much people like this, but like a really chill vibe where you're mm. just sitting down and you're talking about League of Legends and it's not crazy and it, it's, but it's different. It's like more relaxed. You're still using the personalities that you have and it's not super different than the slightly more buttoned up weekend version, which is trying to be very traditional sports. It's trying to be very, like, for a lack of better terms, sports center. Um, and you can't, you can't have both, right? The one thing I think, by contrast, the LEC broadcast does really, really well is that they let their personalities kind of go, go ham to a point yeah. and they know when to rein it in as well. So you can actually see this, um, I should do like some sort of fashion breakdown, but like you can actually see this in the way that they let their personalities dress and the way that the, they let them carry themselves uh, in promos and on the desk 
it's a very like unified field, despite the fact that the people themselves aren't dressing like each other, right? Like you don't get the sense that there's a dress code. You get the sense that people are really expressing their personalities with the way that they dress, but it's also unified in that everyone's doing it, right? So you're allowing all of these people to showcase their personality through the like even minutia, like what they're wearing. And then that also translates to the segments they do on the broadcast, all of the prep that they do. I know because I'm a boring person. I get it. No one wants to listen to me talk about jungle pathing for hours. Like, trust me, I get it. As someone who struggles with this all the time in terms of trying to be like really informative, in-depth analysis and trying to be quote unquote fun. Like I I get it. I'm not fun. You know, like I, I understand the struggle. I think you have to lean in to one aspect of that and shape your broadcast around that. And once you get that down, then maybe you can start expanding. But the, the balance between like sushi dragon to buttoned up analysis in the same cast is just like, no, like, no, it just, it doesn't work. And it makes both halves look even worse in comparison. That's the problem that I had is that when I, that was, and I'll be perfectly honest, that was my first introduction to Sushi Dragon, and I didn't get a first introduction to Sushi Dragon because it was on the LCS broadcast. It wasn't because he wasn't entertaining, it wasn't impressive, it was because the LCS broadcast brought it to a point where I didn't find it Mm -hmm. entertaining within the context of this particular broadcast. So I didn't get him. I didn't get it from that context. I was a wrong introduction for for much of the audience. So maybe from his perspective, it was good because there's ample numbers and a lot of people watching it might already know who he is. But for new people like me being introduced to him, I it wasn't a good introduction. So put it that way. Here's some interesting. So I saw Monty and Doa tweeting about this. The fact that Doa currently does not have a full time gig and is living in L.A. and that he would make a good addition to the LCS broadcast. I do agree with that because but I, I would like to see someone like him like either of them, truly, uh, do a little bit of creative consulting for the LCS. Mm. Because here's the place I, like, find the LCS, right? And I get this, like, sense from talking to people who work in it, who own teams in it, or, you know, or even work for Riot. Like, they are a very large, they are on track to become a very large North American sport, right? Like, the ownership groups overlap very closely with a lot of the NBA in particular, but also other sports, right? Like, the LCS is a real sport, right? And and, and I won't say it is as important to American sports culture as the LPL is to Chinese sports culture. It certainly isn't. The LPL is a huge deal uh, in China in a way that nothing else is uh, in esports relative to sports culture in the world. Um, maybe the LCK. Maybe, but not, not even close, I don't think. But nonetheless... The LCS is on this track, trajectory to eventually get there, right? And and I think they feel that. But as someone who's worked at a sports media company for four years and has covered esports at, at said sports media company, a la ESPN, or a.k.a. ESPN, f- for four years, there's nothing I have learned more in my time of four years at ESPN that esports and esports fans, there's very little overlap in taste with sports fans. There just isn't. Right, like the there's a little bit with basketball, there's a little bit with with uh, mixed martial arts and wrestling because the audience age is more sim- asimilar in those sports to esports. But like 
the 55-year-old who watches the MLB and the 20-year-old who watches the LCS, there could not be a wider gap between what those two people care about and what appeals to them on a broadcast. That said, I feel like the LCS is taking itself way too seriously. It wants to be the big sport, right? It wants to be the NBA. It wants to be the MLB. It wants to be the NFL, which is a great aspiration, but you have to realize that your audience is in many cases 20 to 30 years younger than what you are aspiring to be, and you have to think outside the box, color with different colored crowns, and and really like rethink the whole thing a little bit to get there. The LCS feels lazy. I say that as someone who likes a lot of people, again, because I think some people take this as like, oh, he just has bad relationships with people. I I, I met Chris, Chris Grigley when he got hired. Been very supportive and spoke highly of him. I like Dave Stewart, who runs that broadcast. But it does feel very North American traditional sports, and I don't think that's what the audience enjoys whatsoever. Certainly not what I enjoy when I want to watch esports events. I like when people get a little creative, and people can rag on Flashpoint and whatever else. Their team sucked. But a lot of those teams are in the LCS, and Flashpoint was fun because the Fortnite. content was fun because it was different. And that's what, like, Fortnite doesn't appeal to me, but I take I enjoy some of the risks that Epic Epic takes on its broadcast or at its events, having gone to the Fortnite World Cup and several other Twitch events that they've done. Like, those are fun, right? Like, come on, LCS. Your audience is, is a little bit older than the Fortnite kids. They're not much, but they're younger than the Counter-Strike people. Find this nice, nice happy medium. Stop trying to, like, fit fit yourself, you know, round, uh, round peg and square hole. So, yeah. I, I will say, let me take this and just quickly go into my what I hated here. And hate's a strong word for what I'm about to say here. But it does feel at times like the LCS. Uh, it does feel at times like the LCS felt like the, Steam Bouche- the Steve Buscemi meme, how you do fellow kids. Yeah. That, it yeah. felt like that a little yeah. bit at times. Yeah, definitely. But I do, but I do think, I don't think it's from a lack of trying. I do think that there could be more younger voices making bigger decisions. Perhaps that that's what's needed there. Like what you said about consultancy there. Now, I don't want to see Doa rapping. I'll say that. I really don't want no, to see Doa rapping. That could, that could but I do think Doa actually. has some knowledge. Well, yeah, I guess maybe once, but uh, I do think that Doa would have some knowledge and people in that ilk would have some knowledge there. Case in point about uh, effort, though, uh, my choice for hate this week was the LCS display. I guess it's a subset of, uh, you know, finding the identity, etc. To me, I understand where they were going with that, meaning the LCS uh, changing things up is always good. I am always a proponent of trying new things and seeing if they stick and if they work. I'm a proponent of that. I appreciate that very much. The thing is, is that maybe in this case, it was a little too simplistic. Uh, maybe some of the things tried were a little bit too uh, unnecessary in a way. Like we moved where the kill count is and the gold count is in real time updating. I don't know if I necessarily need that in a uh, during a, a League of Legends game. I, I like just it was it was very in my face. Like the first thing that I notice is the gold count uh, and just the positioning of everything. Mm-hmm. To me, just I don't know. Like it, it looked like to be honest with you, this looks like the prototype to what the current L- display looks like in a way. I think- I think the I love the gold switch actually. I, what I do think they need to do though, because gold is always updated in real time. I think the big thing with that is they need to go back to the point point 
so that's what I meant. Okay. I meant yeah, like the five. Um, the five. Like, yeah. I actually love that. I actually love that it's in the center. Uh, I think that's actually really important to understanding like how League of Legends works. Um, however, I think that so I I like a lot of the ideas behind the new uh, HUD. I think the execution was lacking, especially with I don't know how they were updating like the turrets, but they were like significantly behind a lot of the time. Like there was one, I think it was in the TL game that they didn't it didn't even register that they had gotten the mid tier one for almost the entirety, if not the entirety of the game. Uh, and that's actually a massive problem because the idea behind the HUD is to communicate information as quickly as possible, right? Like the whole idea behind doing this update at all is because more people are watching on their mobile devices and you want to be able to look at it really briefly and be like, oh, this is where we're at in regards to the game, right? Yeah. Which is which is why the, the gold count changed, uh, which I really like. Because, again, I, I actually think gold is way more important than kills. Um, if you're looking at a League of Legends game outside of maybe, like, a few LPL games where everyone's just killing each other all the time and, therefore, it's an accurate reflection of who has gold at one given time. Um but in terms of like how it's set up, I think it definitely needs tweaking. And I think the input obviously needs tweaking because it, the whole point of it and purpose is to update, uh, as quickly as possible. And it wasn't. So in, in that regard, you know, that was not working correctly. And, also, uh, and maybe it but, might but take I disagree you... with the gold thing though. I love the I, fact that you, you've converted me. I understand exactly where you're coming from on the gold thing. So I, I, I changed my mind on the gold thing. You have done a great job on that, Emily. I will say that I think that I need to get used to the display. I, I it I, didn't come across as an immediate positive for me, I guess. I think, I think that it's the potential there is, uh, though is there. Sorry. Uh, meaning that like, this is a good idea. One thing that I really like that our own company does really well is if you're not watching a football game or if you can't watch a football game because, say, you don't have a, a subscription or whatever, your TV package doesn't include whatever channel of American football game is on, you can watch the ESPN Gamecast, right, that has, like, all the animations and all the counters and all the box scores, right? Like, that's always been something I've really enjoyed about ESPN.com and, like, uh, the people who created that. I think that, like, Riot's trying to create something that's, like, a companion that is similar Right, you obviously want to watch the game with it, but it gives you real time stats because, like, and and like Arda, I know you've been in this position before. When you first got in League, I remember like it takes a lot of explaining to do to get into League for the first time when you've never been into it. Right, like you have to really go through it. And so, like for an experienced eye like myself or Emily or Tyler, right, who have watched and played a lot of this game, there's things we're gonna catch really quickly. Whereas like having like a heads up display like that is actually super useful in explaining the fact to players that may not understand minutia that they can take away data points. I gen- generally think, just on that point, very tiny point here, the data is just not very well explained in, in League of Legends by Riot itself. Uh, I think that third-party websites like Oracle's Elixir, what Tim 7 Houston does there, and some other people in the community, Emily being one of them, explains data to, to a little bit more breadth, but I wish Riot themselves talked about what data means in League of Legends. To the to that point, I will say it's really difficult to do that through a heads up display because uh, oh, of course, already too much just, there. Like, way too many variables. So you do need that would be tying back into what we were talking about previously. That would be on the broadcast to look at like how they're analyzing things and if they mm-hmm. want to do mm-hmm. like a a more even like chill like standard sports broadcast. Even if they are doing that, there's actually room to expand on statistics. But I actually agree. Uh, as an aside, I think the way that we talk about stats in league generally stinks. Uh, oh, yep. about ninety percent of the time. 
I think I think more like like Last a lull, point on this. A, we got to move on. I, I was gonna say like a lull esports explainer on stats would be helpful. I think to a lot of new people because like I meet League of Legends fans all the time who like this is their first year watching it. That's still happening, right? Like this game's like ten years old, and there's still new people coming into it for the first time and watching it for the first time. So like having like a this is what this means, right? And like like literally just like an explainer of some form could just be helpful, just like an encyclopedia guide of what what a stat means in League of Legends. Hmm. All right, we're going to start a new segment here called Factor Fiction. What I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a phrase out there. I'm going to pick one of our analysts to determine first whether it's fact or fiction, and then maybe a debate will ensue. We'll see how this goes. Emily, you are up first. G2 will lose more than five matches this split. So let's take a look at G2's previous records with this team that they have, right? So so last year and this past spring, we've got... 13-5 13-5 and five in 2019 spring, and that was, if you remember, the first role-swapped uh, lineup where everyone was kind of looking at them and being like, I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, they did lose five games that split, but then it's a solid 15-3 and three and 15-3 and three record in the regular round robin. Now, the thing I do want to bring up that Jacob touched upon earlier that I was going to lead this segment off with is that they were not able to practice going into the split, so I don't think their performance in this week one, which also was unfortunately a super week, um, that I don't think their performance this week one is going to reflect their performance for the rest of the split uh, due to extenuating circumstances with with perks and the fact that they weren't able to prep and practice going into this week as, uh, as soundly as they would have any other week, right? Um, I don't think they'll lose more than five matches this split. Based on the fact that they like swap back, this is still the same lineup. The first time they were trying this lineup, they lost five games exactly. Uh, yes, it was not a great week for G2, but I think they'll be totally fine, and I don't think they'll lose more than five games. Maybe five, because you already have the two, but I don't think they'll lose more than that. This seems premature to say this. Five matches, come on. I'll play the I'll play the contrarian here. I'll say they'll lose six matches. Again, I don't think by the end but product it's going to really. By being contrarian, you're saying one more than yeah, the numbers. No, no, I'm going I'm going <laughs> fiction here because I think it's going to be one more than five. Like I don't think anyone on this panel is going to be like, oh yeah, G two is not going to make the final. They're they're not going to go to Worlds and do very well. Like I do think they're going to win LEC, but I also do think like it's going to be a bit of tough sledding in the early going, and I think this team. They have, you know, three championships. Like, they've had, they have seven championships overall as an organization. These guys know what it means to go in the playoffs prepared. They know, with the new format of being a double, you know, elimination bracket, I do think they're going to be slip-ups in the early stages. They're going to get some losses that they usually wouldn't. I do think LEC is stronger than it has been in previous seasons. I think there's a lot of depth in this, in this top ten, so I don't think there's a, there might be one or two easy wins here or there, but they're going to be tested every single week, and every single team has G2 circled on their calendar. No one goes into a G2 game being like, eh, it doesn't matter if we play our best. Like, every team wants to beat G2, especially the Fanatics and the Origins of the world. A win versus G2 can make your entire year. So I do think they will drop six games, I maybe seven, but I do think by playoffs, regardless of where they are in the standings, they're still going to make the final. So I'm going to say they're going to have a, a bit of a softer regular season, obviously not practicing as much perks going through things. It's a difficult start of the season. They're going to drop a few games. 
getting back into form. And by playoffs, they're going to steamroll and win as per usual. But I do think they're going to have a softer uh, regular season. Yeah, my 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 thought is that they just need to take – they can't let this slide. Teams are improving in the LEC. Look at, like, Vitality and Misfits when I sit, make that statement, right? Like, I already think that, like, Mad Lions, Origin, and Fnatic can all – Origin, eh, inconsistently iffy, but – I still think those three teams can compete and beat G2 on any given day. I think that Vitality and Misfits, though, are sort of the, like, the two teams that I'm looking to, like, ascend to be able to beat G2 on any given day. So, like, I feel like G2 has to take every single match seriously throughout the, this split in a way that they probably did not last split. My counter argument to that is that I think it's good that they have to take every match seriously oh, because we've seen, we've seen sometimes what happens when G2 doesn't take every match as seriously. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that point. I'm just saying like to to make this uh, to make this uh, fiction rather than fact. Sorry, uh, to make this fiction that they would lose five games uh, or more. Uh, you they have to take it seriously. Otherwise, this will definitely be fact if they don't take everybody seriously. Well, speaking of G2 taking matches seriously, I will take the next question posed. Fnatic will win the LEC summer split. I'm going to go with fiction, not just because you can take the field and feel pretty confident that you're going to win that bet, mm. but also bring it back to G2. There could very well be a situation where G2 could play spoiler, and they will definitely take a matchup like that seriously, especially if it's Fnatic. And so I do think that G2 might... They have an uphill battle to climb in terms of occupying that top spot like they were in pretty much all of the spring splits and have been historically in the LEC, at least in recent history. But that doesn't mean that they're out of it by any stretch of the imagination. Based on everything we've said here, the fact that they haven't been able to scrim, all the circumstances with Perks and his father, rest in peace to Perks' dad, there's there's a lot going on there. And I don't think that this is going to be a situation like Team Liquid experienced in Spring Split in the LCS where there was just too much to overcome. I think that these are things that are only temporary, and I think that G2 will come back stronger than ever. And guess what? New challengers are emerging too. Rogue is 3-0. and SK Gaming is 2-1. and Who saw that coming? Like, there's right, so context much... Context there, Arno. <laughs> yeah, still, but like... It, it, it vitality like i mean there's a lot to be excited about here but still for for to say especially after week one fanatic being the team that's gonna be first they're not even in first place right now i mean they're tied for first but they're not i mean they're tied for first but that doesn't mean that they're gonna remain there for the for the entire split great first week show me more i'll keep it simple this is fiction until fanatic can actually conquer their boogeyman of G2 in a final. I'm never going to take them. Even in a weakened G2 state, we still have a long season to go. I'm still picking G2 to win by the end of the season. So by proxy, that means Fnatic's not going to win LEC Summer. I mean, if they're going to do well at Worlds, I do think Fnatic's a really good team, a world-class team, but they're not winning LEC mm-hmm. Summer until they prove to me they can beat G2, and they have not done that yet. So, fiction. All right, yeah, back to I, pick. I, oh, sorry, oh, no, I was just going to say, I agree. If there's one hope for Fnatic, though, it's that they showed some really interesting uh, champion diversity this this past week, and they showed that they were kind of willing to uh, play around, especially with the Reckless Syndra. I liked that from Fnatic. But, yeah, I, I can't find myself willing to bet on them. 
Sorry. Tyler, fact or fiction? Vitality missed playoffs in the summer split. That's actually a really, really tough one. That might be the one of the toughest ones we've had. I'm going to go fiction. They're going to miss, right? So I'll say fact. They're going to miss the LEC summer playoffs. Because even though I do think they had a really good first week, and I do think they have a lot of really promising players, I think there are a few teams that are ahead of them in the development cycle. And I think we, I think Rogue kind of started this with building with a, a, through these rookies, and you're going to build this rookie team, and it takes, you know, a split or two to really find your groove. It was Rogue, and now we're seeing it with, you know, Misfits with their young players, Mad Lions with their young players. I think there's a few teams ahead of Vitality in the development pool. I, I Even though I would love to be like, oh, yeah, Orange is going to bomb out, not even make top six, I do think they're too talented to at least not make that top six position. So I'm going to say Vitality misses the cut. But I really think that if they can build around this core and if they continue, you know, giving these guys, you know, the NA thing of being like, oh, they had a bad week. Let's just replace them with a veteran and, you know, try to sneak into playoffs. If they keep this core, even if they have their downturns and they're going to have their weeks where they look poor and they look out of sync and they get crushed by the Mad Lions and G2s of the world, if they can build, if they can build around this core and trust in them, they're going to be really good in 2021 in the future. So not this split, but they're very close in my mind to you know being that next rogue or Mad Lions that can be that next generation in the LEC. One victory against G2 didn't sell you? No, 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 <laughs> no. I, I Emily, go uh, ahead. Um, I think the big thing is that you have to look at the competition. You have Fnatic and G2, who are, like, six teams make playoffs, right? We have Fnatic and G2. We can pretty much, I would say, lock those two teams in, in my opinion. I, I don't see a world where Fnatic and G2 don't make playoffs. And then you have Rogue, Mad Lions, Misfits, and, and Origin all, like, vying for those spots. In order for Vitality to sneak in, one of those teams has to drop completely out. I agree, despite the fact that I think Origin did not look great in week one. I think that they'll still probably make playoffs. Um, so then you're looking at a team like Mad Lions or Misfits to drop off. People might have already forgotten, but I mean, in my opinion, Misfits should have won that game against Fnatic. So, you know, like they, I think that I still really like this Misfits team, actually. I think they have more promise than uh, last uh, Splits team. Um, so for me, the thing with Vitality is I, th- I think they're dangerous. I think they'll be able to take games off of teams, and I think they'll have a really interesting outcome on the standings. But in terms of them being able to be consistent enough to make playoffs, I think that's going to be a huge challenge. I, I think that the race for five and six is going to be really interesting because mm. I do think I think that if I had to be a betting man, I think that Rogue and Mad Lions will be three and four. I don't know in what order. I think Fnatic will be two, and I think G2 will be one by the time the split ends. But I do think that five and six has a couple different teams that could be there, whether that be Origin, or Origin, Misfits, Vitality, and SK. There are four teams that viably could be five or six, in my well, opinion. I'm going to put so. you on the spot in one of them then because I'm going to go to you for our next question. Fact or fiction, SK Gaming will make the summer split playoffs. I say fiction, but I'm going to say really close that that they, like, again, there's a chance. It is not zero. The thing is about SK is that because they've done two role swaps, they've made a mid laner go top and a top laner go mid, we don't know 
what the sample size for these players looks like when they are playing these roles. And in this formation, they had a coaching change in Jezus, right, who is actually a former SK player and went to Worlds with SK once upon a time, and he's a pretty solid coach by most accounts. So I I, I don't know. Like, I, I want to say fiction. I think that they're just right outside of... I, I would bet on Misfits, uh, Misfits Origin and Vitality before I'd bet on SK right now, but it's not impossible. It is certainly not impossible that SK slides and gets sixth by some stretch. The the LEC is very competitive. Yeah, uh, this this split, um, especially in that middle to lower lower part of the pack. Like Schalke had an abysmal week, but I don't believe Schalke is all for lost. Like I do think they can be competitive in a world uh, eventually. Um, but they're also a really young team. So I like there's there's a lot of variance here in the like m- you know five to ten position. Uh, so I won't I won't fully count SK out, but I don't think they're going to make playoffs. So just to fact check, because uh, you did call me out on this rightfully, uh, SK did go two and one this weekend. However, they lost to Mad Lions, maybe to be expected. Uh, they beat Schalke, who struggled all weekend. They also beat Origin, who surprisingly struggled this weekend. So not exactly a convincing sounding two and one, Emily, but still two and one. But enough to enough. I mean, maybe it's only week one, so we haven't necessarily seen enough yet, but. Uh, to make playoffs, though, like you said, those six teams that you mentioned, it's going to be tough to break in there. Yeah, it's super tough. And also, like, this is a super week. And I always feel really weird coming out of super weeks in terms of how teams are doing because just they're exhausting, right? Uh, they're exhausting to prep, and it's exhausting to lead your split off with one. Um, but the to more of our point, I think, uh, despite the fact that I, I also find it hard to believe that Vitality will make playoffs, I think that Vitality have a stronger chance right now than than SK do, just based on the fact that I see them as a more dangerous team, given the young talent that they do have now on that lineup. Um, but I think it's going to be, again, like to, to all of our points that we keep repeating, the middle of the pack of the LEC is so close. Yeah, suspension. Yeah. Copy paste what I said about Vitality. Could throw it to SK. Continue running these guys out. Build from here. Look into the 2021. If you make playoffs, that's awesome. If you don't, it's good. Build around these players. Find the players that you want to be your core. Move into 2021. They're doing it correctly. Congratulations, LEC. You're building a very deep, you know, franchise league as a North American who watches the, you know, while while LEC brings in new decks every year and, you know, shuffle in new cards, L- the LCS is basically just shuffling the same 52 cards over and over trying to make it work. So, congratulations to LEC, SK, Vitality. Don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but very bright futures. Speaking of bright futures, uh, that's exactly what Doublelift thinks of his uh, time, his new Old time with TSM. Uh, I did a re- recent interview with him. That full interview is now available on our YouTube channel, YouTube slash ESPN Esports. One of the things that I asked him about was uh, where his level of motivation is. That was certainly a meme. We know that uh, he talked about it in Spring Split. But it was interesting to hear him talk about exactly how passionate he feels about the game and in particular about winning and specifically LCS championships, which he says he hasn't really felt that motivated, this motivated to win in a very long time. He also put a number to how many LCS championships he wants to win. Here's a clip from that interview. When was the last time you felt this motivated to win an LCS title in your career? 
I seriously cannot remember the last time I was this motivated to win LCS. Like, I want to win so bad. I, I've never been, like, as emotionally or mentally or just, like, overall just affected by my performance in LCS. Like, if I play bad, I feel awful. If I play well, I feel great. There's been days and there have been years where I play LCS, and it's just like, if I play bad, eh, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll bounce back. If I play great, eh, whatever, it's just a normal day, like, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same weight to it, I guess. But now it has a lot of weight. LCS is the most important thing in my life again. And, uh, maybe I had to lose. Maybe I had to like switch teams or something to realize it. But, uh, after you've been winning for so long, it sounds like I'm like humble bragging or something, but it seriously just becomes really normal. And you don't really think about why it's important to you anymore. You're just doing it because it's what you're good at. It's what you've been doing. But now I realize like it's so important to me. It's it's pretty much everything. So uh, I don't want to. Uh, yeah, I don't want to lose anymore. That's it. And I haven't felt like that maybe since like season five on CLG. What are the goals that you have set for yourself that you need to achieve before you can feel like you can even think about retirement? Well, I want to win so much that there's no chance anyone's ever going to catch up. So that would be really cool. I know that right now, like. It's honestly kind of unlikely that anyone catches up, but I want to win, I don't know, maybe like 10, 10 times. So three more. Um, I think that'd be really cool. I never actually put a number to it, right? I just wanted to know I want to like win so much no one can catch up. So that brings us when to the, the Factor Fiction question regarding Doublelift this week. Will Doublelift win three more LCS uh. titles? I'll take this one. Or at least mm. I'll start it. I'll start it. I want him to win three more LCS titles. Let me start with that. I want this to happen. I want to see a player uh, win double digits in the LCS or anywhere. Faker has nine, correct? Yes, he has nine. Faker mm-hmm. has nine. So I would love to see, whether it's Faker or otherwise, a competitor win double digits in that terms happens. of championships, right? It, it happened in uh, Seiya. Seiya has, I think, 11 uh, Latin American titles. But in the major four. Yeah, in the major four. I think, yeah, in the major four. In the major four is is a big accomplishment. Right. Sorry. That's, let me clarify. The major four. I would love for it to happen in the LCS. I, at this point, as we stand right now, I don't even know if this team, TSM, can win three championships as it stands. No. Back to back to back. I don't even know how much longer Doublelift will That's be playing League of Legends competitive. I, I That's honestly a hard don't. ask. It's Forever. a very hard ask. But sure. I also wonder, I also seriously wonder, like, how many years do we think Doublelift has left? How many splits do we think Doublelift it's, has left? It's NA. I mean, he plays only 72. Yeah, I think and he'll, he'll sell keep, the contract. He'll keep playing as long as he wants to play. Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing with Doublelift is that, like, it's hard to... It's hard for him, and he said this in the past when he was on TSM previously, it's hard for him to get excited about spring given how little it has towards, like, winning a world championship. Um, and that's why he previously took a split off because he was like, I'm not sure if I want to keep playing anymore. I have a lot of doubts about my own motivation. I'm going to stream this split and see what I like about it. And he hated it, and he found he missed competition. So... I think his motivation will always kind of wane a bit more in spring, especially given the new structural changes and how there's no uh, point points towards worlds in yep. that in that split. Um, however, in terms.
how much longer he can keep playing, I think he can definitely play enough splits to win three more titles. Whether he can win three more titles, I actually think that's going to be super difficult. So, so I guess I should I should specify and say play at the level to be able to compete for play a at championship, championship at all times. He could Peyton Manning it. He could he you know he can Peyton Manning it get a title, being like the anchor of a team, getting dragged to a championship. But I'm gonna go with fiction here, just because I think if it's if he gets a ten, I think that's bad for North America. That's really bad for North America if double if can win three more because I want more competitiveness in the region. I want Cloud Nine to start a dynasty. I want these newer teams. I want Hundred Thieves. To, you know, Hundred Thieves is doing a really good job building out their academy system, mm-hmm. and I think in a year or two, when these players like Tenacity and Kenev and the and Pumi and these other mm-hmm. really really young seventeen sixteen year old players that they are building up through their next you know next system and their academy system starts coming to the LCS. I think they have a really good opportunity to like come in and be that Mad Lions style team or the Rogue style team that NA has been needing for a long while outside of the C9 you know development structure. So for the hope of North America, this is nothing against Doublelift. I would love if we got to ten titles, but I think if Doublelift doesn't reach ten titles, that means more newer talent. And, and better teams are being built in North America, and that is a better future for the LCS. If Doublelift continues winning championships, I mean, that means he, he's... Because Doublelift's not going to go on a team that's rebuilding. He's going to be on teams that have established mm-hmm. stars, veteran players, who he knows he's going to win with. So if he gets to 10, that means that these built-in veteran squads keep on winning. I want to see new, fresh talent. I want these younger players to rise up from Academy, the 100 Thieves Academy, and the the next system, and FlyQuest, and I want these teams to battle double to give him a reason to fight. I want him to win a title or two more, but I want these newer teams to come to light. Because, you know, in a world where we have the same system we've had for the last five years, where it's just the same players shuffling in and out, double could win ten more titles. Who the hell knows, right? But I'm just going to say he's, he ends with nine. I'm going to say he ends with nine titles, and then retires, You're... goes off into the sunset. I love how I love how you deprive him of the one singular <laughs> yeah title he needs uh, to go double digits. He gets nine. He gets Rip. nine and he's like, I'm done. So I definitely don't think he's getting one this summer. I think no. Cloud Nine's too good. And there's a couple of other teams back of them I would put uh, ahead of TSM in that race to even dethrone Cloud Nine, but I don't think it's happening either way. I think C nine's got this one in the bag. Let's say in the twenty twenty off season someone goes and offers blabber or licorice a giant load of money to go to some other team, right? And, like, the the C9, di- or, like, the, the dynasty in the making is just split up, right, or whatever, right? Like, because somebody just somebody just sells out, right? I don't think that will happen either, but nonetheless, possible. Um, because I think there's a huge market for everyone on C9 right now. Uh, so even if that were to happen and C9 were to get disbanded, I'm not so certain that Double Lift and TSM, if he stays on TSM for the rest of his career... Uh, with Bjergsen, presumably, and whatever else they decide to keep around, right? Like, I'm not so certain he wins another one at all. And it's possible. I won't say it's not possible. But I do think that there are other teams, Evil Geniuses, who have some long-term plans of probably, and we'll get to this in a second, probably bringing Hooney in in 2021 as their top laner when he gets residency. Um, I think teams like them and like FlyQuest, who are just going to continue to iterate on their success can even box him out from winning another one altogether. And I think, to your point, like, he may play for a very long time, but I think at some point he's going to grow frustrated that he's not winning, 
and he's gonna he's just gonna walk away. That's when his motivation will tank to an all time low. Yeah, when like he plays like another two or three splits and he just doesn't win one because there are gonna be really good teams in the LCS that are that are are growing is to Tyler's point. Um, maybe not through development developmental system, but at least by adding pieces around what they have going well for them. Um, and those teams box double lift out, and then he's done because he's frustrated that he can't get another one. At what point does he give up is the big question. Not this split, that's for sure. No, Emily. of course. Uh, next question to Emily. Team, Stop. This is an interesting one. This is an interesting question. Team Liquid can reach the LCS finals this split, win or lose? I think they can. I mean, I think, like, so if we're looking at it just from a not even mathematical standpoint, but, like, we're making the presumption that Cloud9 is the best team in the league and they are going to make finals again. Um, I think the the toss-up to have uh, another finalist is, is pretty wide. Like, you're thinking of Evil Geniuses, you're thinking of FlyQuest. And after this week, I think people should be looking at TL because, uh, not because their performances were, like, completely infallible. Obviously, the uh, the absolute stomp that ended up being the TL-TSM game was really, really fun to watch. Um but then the Golden Guardians game was a lot closer, um, pun intended, I guess, because I think Closer played insanely well in that, in that match. Um, but I think the big thing with TL and talking to them, talking to Broxa, uh, I talked to Jensen for an article that's going to come out tomorrow. Um, but I think this new team does really recognize that they, they need to be more proactive. And Broxa said it prior to when the season started. Um, and I think you definitely saw that, especially in the TSM game. Um, where they made a lot of early moves that were really important. I think Core JJ has been playing insanely well. I loved his bard. Um, I loved what he was doing on that on that champion. And I think this team has a lot of potential if they can keep uh, making early proactive moves because I think that's something that a lot of North American teams have a lot of problems doing. Um, they tend to default to being a lot more passive, TSM being one of them. And uh, if there's a window for TL to make finals, I think it would be there. Yeah, Four my- words, Arda. Four words. Hmm. Chugga, chugga, choo, choo. The TL train is all chugging along. We're going to finals. See you there, Cloud9. Probably not going to win. Then we're going to Worlds. Grand Plaza, the, the group Grand Plaza, it's going to be great. Going to get 6 It'll be fantastic. <laughs> wow. Even worse than last year? There, there's four tries. <laughs> oh, six. It's they're single gaming. LPL, LPL teams usually drop single games. There's four Chinese teams. There's four European teams now. We don't get. We're not getting to farm probably the the Taiwanese teams like we used to be able to do. Yeah, so we're going to the finals. The tactical train is a chugging along. See in the finals are a TL versus Cloud9. Book it right now, guaranteed, hundred percent in the books. That Taiwanese farm comment brought me back to 2017 when Flash Wolves kept TSM from advancing out of groups. TSM, that was not Team Liquid. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, Tyler, take this one. Evil Geniuses. I mean, this. Ooh, Evil Geniuses can defeat C9 once, at least once in the regular season. Ah, true. 
they were they did it. They, they took a game off them in the playoffs last play. C9's, C9's not in stopple. They are by far the best team in the league. But they also have kind of that G2 in them. They have that kind of a trollish factor. And I think it's been good, right? Like, I think the one thing that we kind of came into the season being about C9, this new C9 team, is like, are they going to, they're going to be good, but are they going to have an identity? Are they going to lose that, you know, charm that the old C9 did because they didn't have Sneaky? But they've, they've been great. Like, they're really marketable. They're a trolly, fun team, makes a lot of jokes. They're constantly bullying each other on Twitter. Probably the best Twitter team, if you, you know, follow their Twitter, probably the best Twitter team in the game right now in the LCS, you know, outside of just being the best LCS team. But yeah, EJ can take a game off them. They're not perfect. C9's still going to win the split, but EJ, sure. C9's not going to go 18 though. They're going to lose at least three or four games this split, I would believe. So, let's bring it back. They, they should lose a few games. Because, yeah. like, I, t- I talked to Blabber and Spin about this a few weeks ago, that, like, they need to lose a few games more generally to, like, understand their flaws because they didn't get MSI as sort of the barometer of, like, mm-hmm. here's where we're bad because we're getting crushed by some European or Chinese team, right? Like... I think, I think that MSI would have benefited them immensely, but because they ran people over so heavily in the spring split and only lost a hand, you know, a small, less than a handful of games in the spring split altogether, right? Like, it's really easy for them to get complacent and go, we're really good, but then they go to Worlds and they just get stomped. So, like, they need to lose a few games to be able to shore, not intentionally, but I'm saying, like, they, it would be good for them if they lost Evil Genius, that's why Quest, TSM, or TL. Like that would be that would be good for the health of Cloud9 as a team as they look to to go to Worlds and and compete at international competition. Yeah, I mean it's a single game round robin, so mm-hmm. I think I I would take fact over fiction. Honestly, I think EG looked really good. I don't necessarily think it will happen this coming week, but I I think they can take a single game off the of C9 for sure. Jacob, I can't wait to hear you talk about this one. I just can't wait. Uh, how do you feel? Fact or fiction? Hooney, you may or may not have reported on him previously, once or twice. Hooney will not play a single match for the main, for the Evil Geniuses LCS main roster this split. Fact. Until 2021. And, and the reason I say that is because there's a timer on him. That after this split, and this is why this deal makes a lot of sense for Evil Geniuses to uh, acquire him, he is going to be a resident at the end of this year. He will be given the opportunity to declare. He has played in North America long enough, although not consistently, but the way the rule works, technically he's played three three full seasons, will have played three full seasons in North America, right, Uh, on Echo Fox, Immortals, and – or actually four, sorry – Echo Fox Immortals, uh, Clutch, and now Evil Geniuses, Clutch slash Dig, and now Evil Geniuses. He will be eligible to declare North American residency, and therefore, he will be a very high-prized asset that Evil Geniuses is now secured on a multi-year deal. So, he will not play, I don't think he'll play this. I think that, uh, if anything, to our point earlier, he's lit a fire under Kumo's ass, um, in a way that's actually really, well, I I think Kuma's a great player anyway. It has a high upside. I think he's behind trajectory in terms of there are a lot of good young top laners in the LCS. I look at people like Licorice as a good example of that, right? And then there are veteran top laners who are very competitive like Someday also in the LCS, right? Um, but I think that he he's not as good as either of those players, 
But I do think that we have not seen the ceiling for Kumo. I think that maybe this summer, because he does have somebody waiting there to take a spot, that 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 opportunity, he's got to play really hard because he's on a timer too. Because if he doesn't perform, then Hooney will be there in 2021. But I do think that it's way more important to have Bang at the AD carry position than it is to trade Bang for Deathly out. And when you when you make that switch, then that's what has to happen to put Hooney in. I think Bang is way more valuable at his than AD carry than Deathly. I think the margin between Kumo and Hooney, based on the way that Evil Geniuses play, is not so massive that it's worth making that trade for Deathly and Bang. Can I just ask one follow-up question? I... Sorry, just let me ask one follow-up question on me before we get to your point. Uh, one thing Artemis said that uh, he sort of revealed, he wouldn't reveal the actual number, but he said that Hooney's being paid way less. I mean, clearly yes. anyone would have guessed that, but he's being paid way less at Evil Geniuses. Do we know any ballpark figure on that? Like, do we know how much less? I would guess on annual salary. I still think his multi-year deal is worth more than a million dollars. Cumulatively, meaning the, the, the I believe it's a two-year, is worth collectively more than a, a million Right, if you add both years together, okay, so my like five hundred k, six hundred k, kind of thing. My guess, my guess is about seven hundred k. That seems about the going price for for a top top winner in the LCS. My my guess, my guess is the deal is probably about one point five million dollars over two years. That would be my guess. So he, he's taking a, a, but yeah, uh, that would be my guess based off the market and sort of what I know. He, but yes, we did report that he was negotiating a new salary with going to evil geniuses they didn't they did technically because of the way employment law works they did technically trade him from uh or right. he got traded from yeah, Big yeah. yeah we went over that previous time when we talked about it originally uh he technically got traded but the contract terms did not go with him so okay. the two the 2.3 million dollar deal didn't didn't come along so and and we okay. did report that he was going to negotiate a lower salary but yes that's correct my apologies emily i just wanted to get that info there I was going to say, I am actually going to take fiction on this. I think that for at least one game, they'll start the Who Need Deathly package. And not even necessarily, like, just because they can and they might want to try it out. I don't know. I, I don't see it. I, like, I don't disagree with anything that Jacob said in terms of what Bang brings to the team versus what Huni brings to the team. But I still think that there's one week, like maybe, you know, they're going up against CLG or they're going up against a team that doesn't have the best record and they'll, they'll bring in the Huni definitely package just to try it out on the main stage. We're running out of time. I'm so I'm going to ask one more. Uh, oh, 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 go ahead. Tyler. I, yeah, I think the last they'll play one game. Just like Emily said, they're going to try it out. <laughs> All right, so if they're gonna do it, if they're gonna do it, it will be on July the fifth because on July the fifth they play Immortals. Oh, just to give them. That. <laughs> well, that leads us perfectly since we're up against it on time. Uh, this will actually be the last question we ask here in Fact or Fiction. So Tyler, or uh, pardon me, Emily, given mm-hmm. what Jacob just said there and how he craftily selected Immortals to be the team in this hypothetical scenario where Huni would play in the game. Uh, d- this could lead people to imply that Immortals season is already washed. So, fact or fiction, Immortals season already over, out of the gates. I mean, in terms of already over, you mean not making playoffs? Because I still think it's N.A., so honestly, anything can happen in terms of making playoffs. But if you're talking about, like, is this team going to go forward and do super well in playoffs or contend for a title? No. In that regard, I do think Immortal Season's already over. But in terms of, like, betting on NA playoff teams, it's actually even trickier 
than betting on EU playoff teams because with EU, you're just like, oh man, there's so many rosters, like so much young talent. They're all vying for each other. It's going to be great. And then with NA, you're just like, ugh, which team is going to kind of sneak in there, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, uh, I mean, jokes aside, I think that I won't put it like out of the realm of possibility just because NA traditionally has a lot of parity. But in terms of is their season already over, like can they contend for a title? No, I don't think they can. Let's end on this. Pick a number. How many games does Zick Smithy start this split? I hope he starts like next week. Sixteen. It'd be silly. Bring him back, like please. Yeah, you spent too much money to sit him on the bench. He's going to get sixteen. I think the remainder of the season. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to bring him back, and then they're just going to write it out. There's no way he doesn't come back unless they're trading him. (laughs) Yeah, if they trade him, then that's the only thing. Okay, I think ten. I think ten. Ten? Okay. Yeah, I think I'll go. I think Potluck will get six more looks for a total of eight games altogether, and Xmithy will get ten. Okay, interesting. All right, that does it for us here on the Rift Rewind. Uh, there's a question in the chat from Najawin that says, uh, are you moving the quiz show to a new time in the week? Uh, we haven't uh, confirmed that quite yet, uh, so we haven't gotten the word quite yet. Uh, something is happening. I'm going to leave you with that. I'm sure there's going to be an announcement on Twitter coming up uh, soon. But don't for, fear not for those who are uh, enjoying the quiz show format. Something is we, we it will be returning in some case, uh, way, shape, or form. The reason it didn't happen last week uh, is because the LCS and the timing, everything it overlapped with on Friday nights. So that's the reason why we didn't do it last week. But don't worry, it's going to happen somewhere, some way. So that's going to continue. So uh, next week, this show will resume on Twitch. Uh, for this week only, we are uh, hosting the Brawl 10K, which is Lawler's Rocket League tournament, uh, which is really cool. So that's happening all week on Twitch. And by the way, this is also available in podcast form, wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, no matter where you get them, you can now hear us in audio form only. Rift Rewind uh, and two other shows as well. I believe it's Search and Destroy and the Valorant Show are also available in podcast form. So just look up ESPN Esports wherever you get your podcast, and that will be all under one feed. But that does it for us here on the ESPN uh, League of Legends show, The Rift Rewind. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you next week.